Hey everyone, welcome back to Bad Associations Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to Deanna. Deanna has been physically out, mentally out of the cult for 10 years. At the beginning of the episode, she talks about worrying about her mom's everlasting life at six years old. We also go into talking about how she felt trapped by her baptism in 2013, and then two months later, disassociating and ending her engagement. She also briefly talks about an idea that I think the organization would never put into effect, but it was interesting how she felt that there should be a different announcement for disassociated people versus disfellowshipped people. So I hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. Can you tell me about the first time you started questioning the Jehovah's Witness faith? Yeah, I think if I was to pin it down in a timeline it would probably be when I was about 13 14 so that was just after my mum joined and um, started studying Mm. Um, I'd been studying for probably about six years by that point uh, with my grandparents Um, but some things just seemed like you know I if anything I felt a bit jealous of the people who didn't know the truth because they could just live their lives. They could do whatever they wanted. They didn't know that the Armageddon or the end was coming. You know, they mm. could go and celebrate Christmas or have a birthday party or, you know, dress up for Halloween. They didn't know, you know. For me, it was that feeling of, I was just jealous. I wish I didn't know about it. I wish I hadn't been told you know the truth and all of that because then I could have you know I would have been able to celebrate Christmas which I love I'm a massive kid nowadays <laughs> <Too. laughs> literally wearing Christmas pajamas by now <laughs> it's never too soon <laughs> I just felt like you know how like is it fair yeah how is it fair that we're the ones who were doing everything right and our life is so miserable mm-hmm. and the ones that are doing everything wrong their life seems you know to a 13 year old child amazing it just yeah. seemed ridiculous really so um, your grandparents were the first to be in oh it's, it's very complicated so first was a couple of uncle and aunties in my family they joined and they started um you know studying got baptized whatever Um, And it was when I was quite little, we moved in with my grandparents. So me and my sibling, my parents, my grandparents and one uncle all lived together. Um, And from that family, only my uncle was a Jehovah's Witness. And slowly it started infiltrating towards the rest of the family. So first was my brother, he started going with my uncle, then my grandmother joined, then I joined, then my granddad. For my mum, it took her a very long time to um, to join. So when my grandmother joined, which was around the same time I did, was when I was about six years old, six or seven. It was just before my sister was born. Um, And then it was about another six or seven years before my mum started studying as well. Um, And the one thing I remember for those first six or seven years was just being absolutely petrified 
that the end was gonna come armageddon was gonna happen and i wasn't gonna see my mum ever again because mm. she wasn't in the truth so for a you know six seven eight year old kid that's something that is quite hard to to handle because you think oh any day i might lose my mum and my little sister because you know we were told that young kids would go wherever their parents would that's go right so i always thought you know if it does and i remember actually you know when i was quite little seven or eight years old thinking praying to jehovah every day saying don't do it just yet don't do it just yet you know mm. give me more time to convince my mum to start studying and you know join the truth which isn't it that's so sad <laughs> now thinking about it as a 27 year old you just think that's not something you want a six seven eight year old to no. be worrying about is it you want you want them to be worrying about you know what they're gonna get for christmas or what they're gonna yeah, get for toys and school and that and friends and that's it exactly so at the end of the world or their parents dying no and um not that i like to blame a lot of my issues on you know growing up as a jehovah's witness but i do think that has quite a lot to do with my anxiety problems that yeah. i still have nowadays because you know when you spend so much time just constantly worrying about things as big as the end of the world mm -hmm. it kind of becomes a little bit of your personality if that makes sense because you just you just used to worrying all the time especially so little that's a lot of pressure that like that they put on you because yeah. of that thought process yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't blame my my grandparents you know they did a hell of a lot for us growing up but more they, they were quite strict you know in in certain aspects of it and um with my grandmother for example one one thing that i remember one of the unpleasant memories i have with her was when i was again probably quite young i couldn't have been more than 10. um my because my my parents they got divorced when i was about four years old my dad moved to spain and um he was coming back he was coming to spend the christmas with us you know the week between christmas and new years and i wanted to go and see him so bad because i hadn't seen him for such a long time and i remember the conversation that me and my nan had and he was just she was just telling me you know don't go because jehovah doesn't want you to go and celebrate christmas and you know he's going to be sad and you know it's wrong to celebrate christmas in my mind i was just thinking i don't give two shits about christmas yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to go see my dad who i haven't seen months but you know i did go because at the end of the day my parents did have a contract and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was still his child yeah thankfully so i did go and um it's probably the only christmas i remember as a child and again the guilt Mm -hmm. that I felt afterwards, you know, for going and spending time with my family on a particular day of the year. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You shouldn't feel that 
you know how did you feel when you came back from it oh the guilt probably yeah yeah so that that was the biggest thing it was just feeling like oh I shouldn't have gone maybe I should have just stayed at home but you know the reality is I was just spending time with my dad and his family and my cousins but yeah there was a few things like that growing up but like I said you know ultimately I don't I don't blame them they're both gone now both my my nan and my granddad but I grew up with them and they did a hell of a lot for us growing up and um because obviously they were still alive when I disassociated myself Mm. one thing that I have to say is that they didn't completely you know just remove themselves from my life the the first few years was hard we barely talked but you know every time I would go there they would question me and and be like why why did you decide to leave why why can't you just you know keep going to the meetings and doing these things Mm -hmm. and I really didn't want to get into it with them so I was just like oh you know how it is work is just busy and this and that but as the years progressed and because you know at this point I wasn't living in Portugal anymore I was living here in the UK Mm -hmm. So every time I would go see them, things would get, you know, better and better every time. And um, I do remember the last conversation I actually had with my nan, the last time I saw her, it was like she just turned a completely different person. And she was saying to me, you have to enjoy your, you know, whilst you're still young, go and travel, go see the world. Mm-hmm. Don't sit all down yet. Don't have kids just yet. <laughs> Because she wanted right. me to, to, go, <laughs> to go and enjoy, you know, my, the life that I had chosen. So we did get there in the end. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that because you, you hear some horrible, horrible stories of people just losing contact with their family. So for that, I am very grateful. Um, but yeah my my whole life you know from the age of around six until I was 18 and and decided to leave Mm -hmm. you you go through things and you think you know they're completely normal because you don't think wow this is really weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it is your normal but it is also weird to anyone looking at it from the outside they'd say yeah yeah exactly and it's not until you're older and you're talking to your friends who have never experienced anything like that that you realize okay yeah that was a little bit weird (laughs) yes yes (laughs) because they don't have anything comparable no they don't they just they generally don't understand so like for me when I was in school I think a lot of um, witnesses will identify with this I had a a double life yeah you know in school I was one person at home I was a completely different person right and 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 that just goes with you through school Mm -hmm. doesn't it until you can finally break free but I remember when I was 16 I was in what they call here college I think you guys call high school 
Ah, um, okay. So I went to an art school for for my um, college slash high school, and no one, and I mean no one in that school had a clue that <laughs> <laughs> I had grown up, and my family was a Jehovah's Witness because I made damn sure mm-hmm. that no one knew. Like I was associated with completely wrong associate sorry bad associations (laughs) yeah and you know just doing things that I think if some um Jehovah's Witnesses knew they would probably have a heart attack um were you still in by the at that point when you were in college yeah so you hadn't disassociated yet no I I I didn't disassociate until um, much later in my life but I went through waves so, you know, at some points I would be very much physically and mentally in. Other times I would be physically and mentally out. And I think when I went to college, I was definitely physically and mentally out because obviously I didn't want my family to know that I was having these doubts and mm-hmm. experiences and going through these things in my life. But at the same time, you know, there was always that niggling feeling that what I was doing was wrong and you know I was growing apart from my family I was growing apart from Jehovah and so it was hard it was hard I think the worst part for me was um so my first year of um I'll just call it secondary school from now (laughs) it's probably easier (laughs) so my first year of in being in that school I met this girl and you know we just clicked we were really good friends and um, then we started dating we had a relationship for a while Mm -hmm. and for me it was just the guilt Mm -hmm. I would literally go to sleep every day and just feel like so ashamed of myself that I would let me have a relationship with another woman well another girl mm-hmm. because obviously we just grew up being told that that's completely wrong and unnatural and disgusting mm-hmm. and I mean we weren't compatible and, and things didn't work out in the end but I do wonder that if that had something to do with it because you did know, you sh- were you honest with her that about how you grew up yeah with her okay. I was yeah, I did tell her about, you know, my family and um, what they believed in. Although I never said to her, this is how I feel. This is what I believe. Uh, I said, this is what my family believes. This is what, you know, they do. But, um, yeah, things didn't really work out. I think our personalities were very, very different um, anyway. But to this day my family still don't know I had a girlfriend in college and you know it's weird it's very <laughs> weird that they don't know that part of me yeah you know it feels like that's a part of my personality that I'm hiding but now that I'm an adult and I'm, I'm married to a man <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've got a child it just feels like there's no point 
yeah, possibly going in and yeah. mudding the waters because what what good is that going to do at this yeah. point? I think if if for example my sister was you know dating a girl and she needed you know a bit of solid solidarity, yeah. I would probably put myself forward and tell them, but unless that comes up, I don't really think is necessary you know making things more awkward between mm, me and that. them um but yeah it felt really really lonely because it's not like i'd have anyone that i could talk to apart from that girl yeah <laughs> you know i couldn't come home and talk to my siblings about it i couldn't talk to my friends about it because they wouldn't understand either so yeah it was a uh, it was a bit lonely at that time and I don't know if this is how your colleges work. Here, our universities and colleges, for a certain holidays, it'll close. And some universities and colleges, if you're attending there, even if you live on campus during those breaks, sometimes they'll tell you that you have to leave for the break. So was is that how it was for you when you were in college? Did you have to go home on breaks? Uh, I wasn't staying away from home. So oh, I gotcha. would commute between home and college. Um, but it's funny because we started dating at the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. So I would have to make excuses oh. to go and see her because, you know, I wouldn't yeah. have a reason to go because she was from like completely opposite side of, um, you know, the county we lived in. So I would have to make excuses to go see her, which probably, again, put a bit more pressure on mm-hmm. the whole situation. Because yeah. it gets to a point you just think, why am I going through all of this trouble? You know, yeah. um, no one's happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you were still going to all the meetings? All of them. Yeah. Oof. I was still having my own personal, because I wasn't baptized by then. Mm. So I was still having my own Bible study. We were still doing family studies. And, you know, it... <laughs> It's almost, you almost experience what it's like to have a, you know, personality, a double personality, because (laughs) at home and with your family, you're one person and then you're out and you're completely different. Yeah. I started smoking because of this girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would go home and obviously I couldn't smoke in front of my family. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know. It was bizarre because it was like I was living two completely different lives and I suppose that's where the double life um, terms come from really Um, but yeah things didn't really last with her and 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 I was okay with that because like I said I don't yeah maybe if I didn't have the religion thing things would have worked out for a little bit longer but our personalities just ultimately work it wouldn't out. Anyways. Yeah. Why did um, you or when when slash why did you decide to get baptized? Um because I was <laughs> dating someone else at this point. Mm-hmm. Um we had got engaged and obviously wow. to get married in the kingdom hall you have to be baptized. Right. Um this person I was dating at the time was almost five years older than me 
So we actually started dating when I was 15. Then we had a break in between when I was dating this girl. And then, and then I went back to dating him. We got engaged literally a couple of months after I turned 18. Mm. Which now looking back, you just think, what yeah. the hell were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> the age gap alone and then your age between the two things, it's like, this is a bad idea. This is not a healthy Terrible. situation. <laughs> Terrible idea. I just, if I had a time machine, I would literally go back and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Abort mission. Don't do yeah. it. Don't do it. I, I genuinely wish I'd come to that realization before I'd baptized because it would have been so much easier to deal with everything. Yeah. It was literally a couple of weeks between the day that I got baptized and the day that I realized I'd made a huge mistake. Yeah. Huge mistake. I think I was listening, I don't know if it was the episode you were talking about, your experiences and you said that you got baptized and you know you're expecting to feel this amazing transformation in your life you just felt nothing you just felt like a prisoner yeah Yeah. what the hell did I just do and that's exactly what happened to me I just felt what is wrong with me (laughs) yeah because it seems like everyone else and maybe those other people really believed it and so like I maybe we were expecting a different res, like result that's not you don't get that result unless you actually believe it and so, yeah. but I kind of thought the water would make me believe it or something which sounds dumb in hindsight but so yeah. I I thought my train of thought at that time was because obviously I, I already had doubts for a long time but I thought it's fine I'm gonna get baptized. I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a nice and pure life and, you know, do all of these things that when you're a kid growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, you think is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I was baptized and I thought, I am truly and utterly trapped. And if I don't get out now, the further I go down, the more trapped I'm going to be. Yeah. So I think I got baptized sometime around this time of year. So it was the winter assembly. And by February, I had to, the next year, I disassociated myself. Oh, wow. So I broke off my engagement the end of December 2013. So literally oh two God. months after getting baptized. And two months later I was out <laughs> oh my gosh why do you think that you did it two months after baptism versus two months before baptism why do you think it happened in that order I don't know I think it was just all becoming too real you know mm. because obviously as soon as we got baptized the talks of the wedding was oh, everything that yeah. everyone would talk about you know where you want to have the party what you know do you want to go try on wedding dresses and I don't I didn't I had no interest in I was 18 years old yeah I wanted to go out with my work friends you know go to a nightclub yeah like a normal person (laughs) like a normal 18 year old would do (laughs) exactly um and I thought I just 
again, I just used work as an excuse. I said, oh, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't go door to door. I can't go to the meeting today. I'm really busy. I have to work. Um, I worked in a hotel back then. So working nights was the perfect excuse mm-hmm. <laughs> to not have yeah. to go to meetings. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting more and more messages and phone calls and letters and he just thought oh just leave me alone like I just want to live my life mm-hmm. you know so did you just slowly drift away or did you make an announcement that you were disassociated I I, I wrote him a letter ah, okay. I wrote him a letter and this guy I was engaged with he lived with my brother he was my brother's um flatmate so I wrote him a letter. I wrote a letter to the elders of the congregation we were part of. I went to my brother's house. I left the letter and my engagement ring on top of the table, and I just said, "This wow. is for him. I'm not talking to him anymore. I don't want anyone to contact me. I want to be left alone and not bothered." And and that's pretty much what happened. Basically someone in that congregation just texted me to say i heard the announcement and i'm really sorry but from this day onwards i'm not gonna talk to you anymore Mm -hmm. i'm like whatevs (laughs) you're like that's kind of what i asked for but okay whatever (laughs) (laughs) but you know i i I didn't have a bigger connection with that congregation because i had only been there for a few months Mm. so it, it didn't really bother me with those people what did bother me is that they decided to also announce it in the congregation where I grew up in my home country and I thought but it's none of their business I'm not there anymore I haven't been there for months why do they care and when that was announced then my one of the two friends that I had I only had two friends in the congregation I was quite sad <laughs> <laughs> one of them one of them just texted me to say you know I completely understand where you're coming from I understand that you have doubts and again she said but unfortunately I can't talk to you anymore basically mm-hmm. and the other one the other friend just never said another word and you just think, you know, these are people I've known since I was very, very young. Yeah. You do, I know they use the term sisters and brothers, but you do consider these people your sisters, don't you? Mm-hmm. And then they just basically abandon you and never say a word to you again. And you just think, what kind of religion would do that? You know? Yeah, true religion. Yeah. Yeah the one that teaches love and kindness and compassion mm-hmm. no that's that's not what love and kindness and compassion is it's the exact opposite of that yeah um but i was quite young i was quite arrogant so i thought <laughs> that's your problem deal with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I think that they do the whole announcing in multiple congregations thing um, because of the shunning. I think that they want to be super sure that everyone, everyone is shunning. Knows about it. Yeah. 
which is yeah. like you said that's not a loving thing to do it's like let's we have to go above and beyond to make sure this person is alone yeah yeah and what gets to me to this day is when i talk to my mum who again thankfully you know we still have a relationship but she's she says to me oh but they they still care about you they all ask about you especially since i had my daughter she says you know sure. they want yeah. to know how you are and how she is and i think okay it's not that i don't believe that because i do i do believe that mm-hmm. but there is literally nothing stopping them from contacting me directly you know these are people that i grew up thinking they were like my aunties and uncles and cousins and you know people you see three times a week because back then was three times (laughs) yeah a lot minimum three times that's not accounting field service and everything else yeah exactly so you would think you know I, I used to see them more than I would see some of my distant relatives. Right. If they do really care that much about me, why can't they just send me a text? Why can't they just give me a phone call? They know where I am, you know. Mm-hmm. But they can't. I know they can't. Because, you know, a group of old men that live in New York told them that they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> These people that don't even know us, yeah, are so exactly. involved in our relationships and life, yeah. So that part of it, I think, is absolutely horrific. And I, I can't understand it because, well, <laughs> it's not supposed to. We're not supposed to understand it, are we? Yeah, we can't try to make sense of something that's so hurtful because that's the whole idea of it is that, like, especially, you know, you as a parent, you you know what this unconditional love feeling is. And so to imagine there are tons of parents that do that like my parents are like that so that they just shun and they don't think anything of it is kind of mind-boggling like I don't think I could I don't think I could drop my cats off at a at a shelter and and never think of them again but that's what plenty of people in that organization do every day yeah yeah I think I think I was very very lucky that my family didn't do that I mean I still felt the pressure. I still felt the like I was disappointing them in a way. Mm. But I I do thank my lucky stars every day that I still have that relationship with with my mum in particular. I think if it was if my grandparents hadn't accepted me, I could probably live with it, although I would have been really, really sad. But for me, my mum was, you know. Like I said, since a young age, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to see her again. So, right. and that's still very much the same. It's very know. ironic. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And now all I long for is for her to wake up and decide she's done with it. But that's her life to live. So I can't. Has wait. anyone left besides you? Oh, yeah, loads of people. So I used to have, like I said at the beginning, I used to have loads of aunties and uncles that were part of the organization majority of them have left now i think there's only one couple in it but i think they're probably physically and mentally out as well um the one of the uncles the one that used to live with my grandparents and us growing up he's done he said he can't be bothered anymore he was never baptized though so Mm, it was easy for him (laughs) yeah (laughs) jealous yeah, I know right <laughs> my brother he started fading 
when I was about 16, so he would have been just over 20. Um, but for him, it was quite easy because, again, he wasn't baptised and then he moved to the UK before I did. So, you know, if he didn't go to the meetings, no one would know about it. <laughs> yeah, there was um, someone I spoke to before that mentioned that one of the biggest concerns that like the elders in the organization have are when Jehovah's Witnesses move because you get out of the routine and because no one's keeping tabs on you. And I can only imagine that that's heightened when you leave a country or you move to a different part of a country, but then there's really no one that's... Oh, I just, I genuinely wish that when I decided to move here, I'd done exactly the same thing my brother did and just faded away into complete oblivion. (laughs) (laughs) Things would have been so much easier because he has no issues. He can go over there. He can go see those people. Well, refused to talk to me because he never made the decision to commit to the religion. Yeah. Isn't that just stupid? I, <laughs> I regret so much getting baptized. I mean, there's countless reasons why, but you're right. The biggest reason is like watching others that are living the parallel life that you are, but because they didn't get baptized, it's, it's well, for them. yeah, they're a non-baptized publisher, but you were baptized. So it's ridiculous most dangerous bath I've ever had in my life honestly <laughs> oh, you're right I regret that bath I really do <laughs> I know right? well, what's so funny is that you go and you get baptized and then you come out and you have a shower because it's a chlorine pool yeah <laughs> so shouldn't it be like holy water yeah where you're like you don't ever want it to come off because it's so special when really you're like oh yeah get off (laughs) i smell like bleach i gotta shower now yeah and it's like in the middle of a lunch at the assembly or the convention so all you're thinking is well i gotta eat because then the program's (sighs) gonna start up again and i won't have eaten anything and everyone wants to come and congratulate you and talk to you about your spiritual goals and you're like, I have none. Like, I just want to go to Burger King. Can I? <laughs> That's so true. Oh, I just want to be done with this already. I did it. Yeah. Let's not talk about it anymore. Exactly. I did remember feeling that way of like, if there was any relief, I did feel it was the relief of, oh, that part of the, the nagging is over because you've been nagged for so many years. I mean, I feel like they go start in on you at like, at six or seven so they start planting the seed and some parents will say no too young some congregations will say no too young but other congregations I know a couple people um, from when I was a kid that they got baptized at six and seven and it's like so for someone like us where you don't get baptized that young it's been over a decade that you've been harassed about it so when you finally do get baptized you are kind of like Oh, at least that's over. Nobody has to ask me about this crap again. Hundred percent. I think for me, it started the moment my mum started studying because I think up until that point, people were still, you know, uh, they weren't so pushy because my mum wasn't in. So I think they thought at some point I would leave because your mom was not into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when she started studying, oh my god the hounding mm-hmm. and it's just like i remember the the girl who used to come to our house to give him my bible study just telling me you know 
Harry was amazing for her when she got baptized and you know it was such an amazing thing to do and it's like oh just shut up <laughs> <I don't laughs> yeah, yeah. no and it's just repetitive for years and like anything that they could say you've heard it so many times and you're like just let me don't you want i think that's how i felt too i'm sure you can relate of didn't you feel like why don't you want me to want this organically why don't you want me to just me to be the one that says you know i think i'm ready i've talked about this with jehovah and i've decided for myself i want to do this and let me come to you and say i'm ready like why do they feel comfortable pushing someone like you shouldn't want that you want someone to just do it out of the goodness of their own heart yeah i think for me and a lot of people will probably relate to this the hypocrisy that you know mm-hmm. you see in a congregation because they're like oh yeah but catholics they christen babies who don't have a say <laughs> i don't think a six or seven year old is gonna understand mm. fully what they're committing themselves to either so yeah. you're not you're not that much better no <laughs> and really anything younger than like okay let's just talk about legality like what's the age of consent you know so it's like you would think that that's not that much better like yeah you're not baptizing me at one month old but at 12 16 they're not of a good mindset to be making such a lifelong life-changing decision either no definitely not and it's just like all of the things that most jehovah's witnesses do it's all about status Mm -hmm. is oh but all of my kids are baptized all of them do 50 hours a week and (laughs) you just think great you've got no life (laughs) yeah awesome yeah your kids are miserable congrats Yeah, they hate you they cannot (laughs) wait to get out (laughs) yeah i and even as i'm sure you you've thought about this in other regards with, uh, with your daughter it's like what your children do when you're in when they're in your presence versus how they behave when you're not around really speaks volumes so like if if someone moves out of their parents house and they decide you know what i'm gonna get baptized and i'm gonna pioneer whatever i think that that would have so much more value than like your nine-year-old getting baptized and they're living with you yeah because we all act our best selves around our parents or our boss or anything anyone of authority so what does yeah, that mean exactly but that's the thing isn't it because how many jehovah's witnesses do you know that moved out before <laughs> they got married and to be married you have to be baptized oh yeah hmm because they get married quite young i mean i was engaged at 18 i could have been married by the time i was 19. and you just I think i don't know any that have moved that were moved out before they got married and you just think you haven't even experienced the world how can you make such an important decision as to commit to a religion yeah when you don't even know who you are that yeah. to me is just i it's a big no-no <laughs> <laughs> i've al- i've always thought that of course about that you don't know yourself and you don't know what you want for yourself let alone what you need in a partner 
because you haven't been able to make a single decision for yourself. But you're right. I've never thought about the moving out because I do think that living on your own and or living with roommates, which are not mm-hmm. your siblings or your parents, is a is a learning curve, too. And I feel like the person I was when I lived with roommates and then the person I was when I lived by myself, the person I was when I lived with a partner, all different stages of growth. And so to skip over all of those stages and go right from moving out of your childhood home right into a a home with a, a legal spouse, like you're, oh my, yeah, that's, that is skipping quite a few. And I think that so when I moved from from Portugal where I was originally born to the UK obviously I couldn't live with my fiance because you know, that would have been an absolute Absolutely massive no. scandal yeah um so he found me a room in a shared house so it's like a house that you share with multiple people and I think that because I got to live in that house without people from the congregation without you know an added pressure that's when I really gave myself permission to start thinking about if this is what I really wanted for my life because I could do what I wanted if I didn't want to go to the meeting there was no one to nag me there was no one to say oh but you have to go yeah I would have a text or two the next day to say where were you but yeah I didn't have that So your roommates weren't Jehovah's Witnesses? No. So we live I lived in a house and there was two other girls and an older lady. So the older lady owned the house. And then there was two other girls who had absolutely nothing to do with um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um and it's quite interesting actually because those two girls ended up moving after a few months of me living in that house. And then we got three new roommates all men <laughs> oh okay <laughs> one of it is actually my husband <laughs> oh <laughs> hey it all worked out <laughs> yeah so when people say everything happens for a reason i think you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> the timeliness of that it's great <laughs> yeah like exactly so um he actually moved in february 2014 which was the exact same month i disassociated myself so I know that there's a lot of people that will probably think oh she did it because she wanted to go out with him it's like no yeah (laughs) he's got nothing to do with it (laughs) yeah you were already plotting your exit anyways yeah I was already both my feet out literally (laughs) waving goodbye (laughs) (laughs) so you you moving out of like into a new country but then with roommates your ex-fiance he was in the new country how did you two know each other we met online mm. <laughs> uh we met in a anime forum online mm. and then we ended up meeting in person he wasn't a jehovah's witness when i met him oh and um he wasn't for the first couple of years we dated it was only after I dated that girl and we broke up and then I started going out with him again that I said I I don't know if it was because I was feeling even more guilty than I was before but I said to him if you want to give this another go then you have to start studying because I can't go out with you if you're not a Jehovah's Witness 
and I've, I have a few regrets in my life, but that one is probably <laughs> yeah, oh, no. one of the worst ones because you just feel, oh, I ruined his life. Like, don't get me wrong, there was obviously some really things wrong with that relationship that yeah. I see now as an adult. But he was a good guy. Like, he'd never did anything wrong by me. He always yeah. helped me, helped me move here, you know. So I can't say a bad thing about him. And I do feel guilty that I was the one that pulled him into yeah. <laughs> the cult. And he's still in there? As far as I know, yeah. <sighs> I know. But it is. But uh, when I left, he seemed quite happy about it. So who knows? Maybe he found another girl and he settled down. And, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. But I completely got ties with him. Yeah. You know, Hopefully that, he found someone with uh, a better age. Yeah. Because um, your age yeah. gap. I don't know. What is what is the age of consent in the uh, well, I guess In Portugal, it's 14. Oh, is it really? It is, oh. yes. I know. I know. So it's it's quite a complicated law. So the age of consent is technically 14. But then between 14 and 16, if like a sexual relationship does happen, it has to be proven, not proven, but if an allegation is made, then the person who is being alleged to commit a crime has to prove that the underage person had consent you know what I mean? What I mean? So, like, how could they prove that, though? Oh, I don't like, know. That seems it's just ridiculous. impossible to prove. That seems like you're always. I mean, we're we're going through the same thing, and really, every country is the the he said, she said argument because, for the most part, there's always only two people involved. So, mm-hmm. how can you ever really prove what was said or not said, or whether there was consent or not? Because really, we're only two people in, in that room when it happened. Yeah. You know. I think basically below the age of 14, it can be considered statutory rape, but after that, it can't. Which you wow. just think, what? <laughs> so you were 15, so technically that was okay. That was. Yeah. It was cool. I know. I know. I think they're trying to change that law now. And you just think in Portugal, there's some laws that you think, wow, that's so forward thinking. And then others, you just think, are we living in the medieval times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you know, scary. like, for example, in Portugal, <laughs> you know, there's um, their laws about drugs are completely revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And then you have other laws where children, actual children, can have sex and you just think what the hell is going on (laughs) yeah because honestly thinking back like 17 18 year old me had no business putting myself in situations that I I was in so let alone 14 I I was so little and dumb yeah (laughs) yeah your decision making at that age is so poor because you're so little and you haven't had any experience in life and for the most part 14 year olds have never been out of their parents you know umbrella of protection so it's like you can't just make decisions at 14 (laughs) i completely agree and um and also, when you're 15 and you have someone giving you attention, especially if it's an older person 
driving a car, you know, with a job, with money. You're just saying, yeah, but look how amazing I am. That's you not know? this guy, yeah. That's exactly. a good point. But, um, which again just shows the immaturity because when you're absolutely. older, you're like, I don't care if you have seven cars, you know what I mean? Like you, your whole uh-huh. perspective on like, whether they're good or bad is based on real things, like the content of their character, not like what, oh my God, they have a car and a job and you know, they live I'm by 27. themselves. I don't have a car. <laughs> Me either. I sold my car. I just ride around with my husband. Yeah, like, so. you know, like eh, We don't need to pay car insurance twice. Whatever. No, exactly. Yeah. So, I so- mean. That just shows how immature, you know, that you think, oh, God, yes. oh he's so cool. And- Definitely. And I remember some of the conversations I would have with my friends at school would be around that. Like, oh, yeah, but my my boyfriend, he's um, he's got a job and he's got money. He's got a car. He's coming to pick me up, actually. Hey, wow. Now I look back, you just think, oh. <laughs> that's so icky. <laughs> It's Aww. just wrong. It's just think what kind of 19, 20 year old would go and pick up. Would a even child be interested in you. Yeah. From I know. It is weird. But like I said, it is strange because I don't in my mind I still don't see him as a predator. Because mm. he was generally a nice guy. He really was. He treated me like, yeah. you know, a princess. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, you know, he was he was generally a nice guy, but it was just it was too much. Also, if yeah. you know what I mean, like he was a bit suffocating in terms of always wanted to spend time with me, always wanted to do things together. And you just think, okay, but I need my personal space. Mm-hmm. I need to do my own things as well. <laughs> and you as the kid were saying that. So yeah. that's kind of crazy because typically kids don't have that mindset of like, I need my independence or space. Oh no, I I, I love being alone. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Probably too much, but I really do. <laughs> I like the quiet. I like to shut my brain off sometimes. Oh, I just, God, I yes. can't imagine being I mean, granted, I'm, I'm going to be a bit jaded in this, but nothing about the cult is interesting enough that I'd want to join it for someone else. And that, ha- and it's not just your ex. Lots of people do that, where they, they join it because they're trying to support the person that they care about. And I have trouble imagining that you, like a third person, like looking at it from the outside perspective, would look at it and think, yeah, this is, this is good i i should totally commit to this no no i don't understand either like if even if my husband like we've been married we're married mm-hmm. if he said to me i'm gonna join a completely different religion i'm yeah. like good for you but it's not for me <laughs> yes <laughs> i've done my time in religion <laughs> i'm not doing that again <laughs> i've served my sentence i'm not doing anymore yeah so- i i don't know how they how how that happens and I know a couple people um one of my childhood best friends she got disfellowshipped I want to say twice but that second time um was for this guy and they ended up like moving in together having a great relationship and then they uh got married she got reinstated and when she got reinstated she brought him into it and then he got baptized. Now they're both in Jehovah's, the Jehovah's Witness organization. They have their children growing up into it. And that's, I look at that and I just think, why would you do that? Oh, like, no. I can almost understand 
getting reinstated and then going back to being just like um inactive because now you're not fighting away yeah now you're not gonna be shunned right that's brilliant and that makes total sense to me like you know screw the system right back you know Mm -hmm. but and i thought that's what she was doing initially but no she was she actually wanted an active part in it yeah wow and sometimes I like snoop and try to find her on Instagram. And oh, I still, do that all the time. Yeah, and she's still in it. And I'm like, God damn it. Because I just keep hoping that she's will snap out of it. I know exactly what you mean. So those two friends that I had in, in my original congregation, uh, one of them is out now. And mm-hmm. we've just got back into contact. I love that. Yeah. But the other one is still very much in. And again, she got married and her husband's also in, so you think it's going to be a lot harder for her to get out now. But it's sad, isn't it? Because you just think, you know, I've not spoken to her in, well, it's going to be 10 years soon. Yeah, same. Someone you grew up with and are just not probably ever going to talk to you unless they realise how much of a cult it is yeah so i won't be returning i think because i always lived a double life i had friends from school one of them is she's still very much you know close to me she came to my wedding in in may this year she flew all the way from france here so i was lucky to have friends that weren't in the organization um probably because i always had those doubts but making friends now it's a bit harder it's a bit harder than when i was a kid i think it helps that because i'm quite a i'm not an outgoing person (laughs) at all (laughs) but my husband is and he's got loads of friends (laughs) so i've made a lot of friends since moving here through him which i now consider you know my friends independent of him yeah but it definitely helped having someone who knows how to go out and make friends because I think if it was down to me personally I probably would still only have one or two friends (laughs) (laughs) because it's just you know I think maybe even because I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness you just don't you don't really know how to connect with people sometimes do you like school friends is different because you have to see each other every day and you eventually end up finding a connection but yeah as an adult who doesn't understand how to make you know friends that's gonna be tough yeah it's got to be really tough and like i said i think if it wasn't for my husband i probably wouldn't wouldn't have half the friends that I have nowadays <laughs> you wouldn't apply yourself out there no no i'm very much not a people person (laughs) that's a good point i feel like i hope people that are not like bubbly and social but then leave the cult i hope they're doing okay because that would be really hard because you're you're just left out there with no one and all your connections if you haven't been living a double life is within that one organization i know and i'm really grateful that i managed to make friends when i was a kid Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to not you know 
yeah. not not growing yourself out there. How are you going to connect with these people if you don't really have much in common? And then there's the the other whole thing of Armageddon's going to come any day. I don't want to be friends with that person because they're going to die. I'm going to be sad. <laughs> yeah. You know? How did you get over that feeling? Because that was one of your biggest fears when you were little. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was just a case of she's worth it. You know, she was, she, she was, and she still is my best friend in the whole world. And she made me feel so happy. And, you know, I thought, Jehovah can't kill her. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> she's a I great person. That. <laughs> and she's she never learned the truth she never she never you know she never knew anything about it she knew i was in she knew about my family but i made damn sure not to tell her anything about the ins and outs and what we believed because in my head i thought if she doesn't know she might survive because she doesn't know but yeah. then you also have the guilt of not telling them the truth yeah. if that makes sense yeah it does because you think oh maybe I could be saving her mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know I think there's always with her there's always been something stopping me from you know trying to poach her <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah um, and I'm so grateful that that's the case because you know our friendship is untouched by religion mm-hmm. and and she doesn't deserve it. She's a great person. <laughs> yeah. When you were living your double life, like multiple times in your life, how did you get through the, like the holiday discussion? Like if everyone else has like holiday memories and you were saying, like you didn't even tell them that you grew up Jehovah's Witness. So like, cause I mean, I, I lived a double life, but they knew that my family, that I was living a double life. So that it was no, there was no confusion with the worldly people but how when you were with worldly people and they would ask you about holidays what would you say i don't think it was something we really talked about it i think because in portugal like christmas in particular is like christmas eve is the biggest day christmas day is eh, no one really cares about it and then new year's eve is I think quite of a gray area at least it was in portugal mm-hmm. it, particularly with jehovah's witnesses like i know that you wouldn't have a big big party but we would make a, an event of it for sure oh, you would mm-hmm. oh no not here at all not celebrate it as much as like we wouldn't cheer drinks we wouldn't set out fireworks and things like that but i do remember you know having a special meal on new year's eve and you know little things nothing major major but we would definitely mark it as Mm. you know something but christmas no i just i think i just always avoided it i probably just came across someone who didn't like christmas because i would just make any mention of it or or say anything on my birthday it was completely different because i would you know (laughs) I'm make sure to celebrate my birthday at school. <laughs> if you're not going to celebrate at home, I'm having cake at school. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think I was too afraid to yeah. to slip up 
and like celebrate my birthday. I even my 21st birthday, I had like a couple people came out with me and stuff. Um, and I don't know how I got away with that because my parents knew about it and didn't say anything about it. Oh, wow. I, I think about that every, I swear every birthday, I think about my 21st birthday and how technically I had a birthday party. And it was both worldly people were there and Jehovah's Witnesses were there. And oh, nobody that is weird. Yeah, and nobody thought anything of it. I wonder if it's because like I'm oh, sorry, that was my tablet. I wonder if it's because it's such a big like because it's a very important age in America, isn't it? Yeah. When you turn twenty one. Yeah, you can finally legally drink. So I think I, I wonder if it's because of that. Because I remember when I turned 18, we did have cake at home. We didn't sing happy birthday. There was no presents or anything like that. But I do remember having cake on that day. And I wonder if it's the same thing because you're becoming an adult. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like if you celebrate one, you should be okay celebrating any of them. And and vice versa. Like, so seems odd. Yeah. But I suppose you also know what Jehovah's Witnesses are like, and they like bending the rules. As long as there's no candles on a cake and you're not singing happy birthday or cheering your drinks, you're just having a cake on a Wednesday for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. But that's literally what they do. I mean, I've seen it plenty of times. I know, and we all just play along as if it's not (sighs) a complete scam. I mean, that was only, I only had one, I left when I was 22, like a month after I turned 22. And so I don't even remember what my 22nd birthday was. I think I knew that the pendulum was swinging exceptionally close. And so I think anything around that time is kind of a blur. Mm. I think I knew knew the bomb was about to blow. But but you, how did you... I know that you said that it happened within like a couple months of of your baptism but like that final moment of like returning the ring and leaving the letter what was the thing that made you like snap and go that direction I was just sick of being told what to do (laughs) Uh ah yeah that'll do it it it's just you know because of them them months after I got baptized, all people would talk to me about was, you know, the wedding and your spiritual goals and oh, do you want to become a pioneer? And you just think, no, I don't. I want to be a normal eighteen year old kid. I want to go out, get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> and and I don't want to worry about, you know, being treated any differently i just want to be a normal teenager for once in my life (laughs) yeah so i think i just thought if i don't get out now i'm gonna be in big big trouble so i have to move quickly and get out whilst there's still time yeah and that's what i did i thought nope i can't i can't handle this anymore um goodbye (laughs) (laughs) i love that your your abrupt uh nature of it but i mean it's better better to leave before you're married because then it's then it's not just organization bullshit it's also like legal to get out of a marriage and all that expensive yeah (laughs) the expensive wedding just to have the expensive divorce that would have been a headache and a half 
your friends that you have now and like the relationships that you have now are they do they all know about your childhood now now yeah. you're honest about it oh yeah yeah i think more because i want them to know how absolutely ballistic they are and yeah. not to let anyone in their life be part of the cult and i am brutally honest from you know from day one whenever i talk to someone new about it that they are a cult mm -hmm. they're basically a pyramid scheme yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it's just a horrible toxic environment mm -hmm. for anyone particularly for a, a child to grow up in yeah I feel like that's getting more known now from things like podcasts and um, YouTube and Reddit and things like that. But it it didn't it wasn't like that before. Like when like you know the ten years ago when you know you and I left, I don't feel like not even I don't feel like I distinctly have memories of telling people about oh I left this cult. Um, well, I take that back. When I first left, I didn't refer to it as a cult. That was not until like a few years of therapy. But when I first left and I would tell people I left this religion and it was a horrible experience and it's the reason that I no longer talk to my family. And I used to be very, very close to my family. So anyone that knew me um, when I was younger, they were like, oh, I just assumed your cousin would be with you or I assumed your sister would be with you because typically they would have been. And I'd have to explain, oh, well, because of the religion, they don't talk to me. And nobody could grasp that. And then even once I started calling it a cult, people, um, even to this day, will will giggle and think that I'm being like facetious or being dramatic. And I'll have to say, oh no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny. It's it's a cult. It it's, really is. It is actually. Oh, really? And but I do feel like that's happening less and less. I think more and more people are starting to. They just know that without me even having to explain my story. I can meet a stranger and they'll say, oh yeah, I've heard about those Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, that's yeah. a cult. I'm ha so happy have about that. that. I think, and I don't know if the pandemic had anything to do with it, but I think a lot of people have realized what actually goes on in there and they hadn't before you know there's been a few different documentaries they probably watched it during quarantine yeah that's <laughs> what i'm thinking because obviously everyone knows about the blood thing and not celebrating yeah. christmas thing but i think a lot of people don't know about the shunning and the you know child abuse yeah. that goes on in so many congregations I, I didn't know about it you know yeah. and you think if i'm inside and i don't know what's going Great on point. the people outside are definitely not going to know mm -hmm. so i am i am happy that things are changing i was so hoping that they would not go back to doing door to door mm. but they have <laughs> Yeah, I get the letters in the mail all the time. And I kind of yeah. thought that they were going to stick to letter writing and not the door to door thing. Sneak I haven't had anyone knock on my door in quite some time, though. We did a couple of weeks ago, but I was putting my daughter down for a nap and my husband just shoo them away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as he should. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, part, but I've not, but before that, not since before the pandemic. I don't know if it's because like obviously now we're part of this reddit thing and we're becoming a little bit more activists and but mm -hmm. part of me thinks 
come to me i'll tell you all about this yes i know <laughs> let I me point out all the things wrong with your religion come on <laughs> mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm not a confrontational person so i probably won't be doing that but you know you you do kind of you know in your head when you have fictional conversations with people <laughs> yeah. i love doing that yes <laughs> absolutely all the i, I just play over imagine. all the things i could say <laughs> yeah just imagine all the things i will be telling these imaginary jehovah's witnesses when they come and knock on my door <laughs> when the reality i'll probably be like no thank you <laughs> exactly like to be honest i'd i think i'd rather do I, i'd rather just shove them away and say no leave me alone yeah there's no point wasting their time and our time yeah you know we've spent enough time listening to that bullshit we don't need sure. to listen to it again <laughs> and trying to like say things to them i spent enough of my years trying to be that voice of reason i know my um my best friend she actually she's never been a Jehovah's witness but um she put a, a little sign up this is years ago in her window that i can't remember if it said um i'm disfellowshipped or if it said my best friend's disfellowshipped or something like that. I can't remember. I'll have to ask her about it. And she, because they, she had just moved into a house. And it, what I told her was, I think that the person that lived there prior to her must have been like, uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, I know. Return witness. Is that mm -hmm. what is that what it was called? I can't remember now. But as I think the person lived there prior was a returned a return witness, and so that's why they keep coming to your house because she'd say like, no, that person doesn't live here, and you need to stop coming. And they'd go they'd go back a week later, and then they'd come back another week, another week. And I was like, I think in the territory it says that your that address is a return witness, and that's why. And so she put that card in her window, and they stopped coming. That's brilliant. I must do that. Yeah, and I thought damn that's good and so I think that if I ever had that situation as I said I'll be moving again in a couple months and for some reason I have that situation at my next uh, address I think I will probably put some sort of fun little card right above my doorbell that says I'm disfellowshipped because at that point just in the conversation the other thing that we know that she doesn't know but um is that even though you're disfellowshipped doesn't mean that they won't come back it just means yeah. that only an elder can come back yeah and one thing that really annoys me is that you know because i i think even inside a lot of people can't differentiate between being disfellowshipped and being disassociated right because I, I it wasn't because i did something wrong i said i am out of here i i chose to leave so i don't when people say it's the same thing, it's like, not really, because no. I wasn't made to leave. I decided to go by my own accord. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that should be more differentiated, really. Mm -hmm. um, when I was talking to, to my friend, the one that left recently, she said that when they announced it in, the, in her congregation, they said, so-and-so is no longer Jehovah's Witness. But I think that they should be made aware that if you go because you choose to go, or if you go because this, you did something that they consider wrong. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think that is because it will make more people think, oh, 
they decided to go they didn't do something wrong mm. you know so yeah. it might just you would be good obviously they're not going to do it because they don't want that but it would be good because it would make the people on the inside think oh i didn't know that was a choice <laughs> yeah i've never thought of that before yeah rather than it coming across like this person got in trouble and we kicked them out it exactly. would be it, they'd have to say this person has made a conscientious choice that they don't want to be a part of this group anymore yeah yeah and, and it is and it is a massive difference and you can still talk to people that are disassociated so you would be allowed to reach out to them and ask them why did you decide you no longer want to be a part of that group and that would be such a conversation starter that they would never want to no have definitely that happen. not it was quite interesting i found um it wasn't an article on um on a jw website it was a like a core uh, question or something mm. and they were talking about the practice of disfellowshipping and the practice of shunning within the jehovah's witnesses community and they pointed out the two scriptures they used to base that on and if you go and actually read the scriptures on any other bible <laughs> all the versions <laughs> all of them it's so the first one is referring to someone who um is an antichrist someone who generally does not believe in oh. jesus okay and then the other one was about something someone making a serious um doing something seriously wrong against the congregation or someone in the congregation it, it was never about someone who made a conscience, conscious decision to leave. It was never about anyone who made, you know, had a cigarette or mm -hmm. got a little bit drunk or, you know, someone who'd made a serious wrongdoing towards their congregation. And that's when you start to realize the web of lies. And you think yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's all just, it's cherry picking. That's what yeah. it is. It's cherry picking. It's picking things from the Bible more often than not without any context mm -hmm. and using it for their advantage, which is yeah. horrific. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be thinking I mean, not about that, that I believe in the Bible because I don't, but you yeah. know, it, it's, it's any, any book, anything that people use as a guidance for their life. If you do that, I'm sorry, but that's just wrong. I think even if you don't believe in the Bible, when you're making, when you're having a debate with someone who does believe in it, it's so funny to use the Bible against them. It's like, I think oh, yeah. the whole thing is like, at best, it is a motivational book at best. I don't think it's, it's COG self-help. Yeah, it? exactly. I don't think it's like, written by god i don't think it's written by like special men i think it was just written by men and they just kept the shit going you know what i mean like they were like oh i'll add to that why not you know and here we are i think at most it's it's an old self-help book yes so even if you're talking to someone like my mother who's a diehard i use the bible against her all the time and, and typically her rebuttal when we get to like a, a, a dead end road is you don't even, you claim you don't even believe in it anyways. I'm like, you're right, I don't. 
but you do. <laughs> yeah but you do so you have to explain to me what these verses mean because it's it's arguing your point so i like you know i like to be keep up with the bible and, and good verses just for that reason i also have yeah. had friends that they're not you know their family members are not Jehovah's witnesses but they'll be really christian or catholic and they'll use the bible as a weapon and they'll text me oh this screenshot of you know their cousin said this their uncle said that and i'll be quick with the bible verse that they can say back to them no tell them this and this and this and this and this because like who cares if it's real or fake just use it against them why not yeah, they're using exactly. the bible against us you know who cares? absolutely when people try to be all high and mighty about the fact that they're a christian mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah but christians believe in love and all of this was like i can the whole thing is (laughs) diabolical it's just hatred after murder and yes so you just think children getting killed what the hell (laughs) yeah it's that loving yeah you mentioned earlier about the my book of bible stories (laughs) and it's such a graphic book that little kids were they were handing that thing out like it was the most peaceful, loving book that it would be completely safe for any child to read. It's not. I used to read it before bed. Yes. <laughs> you think, what the hell? Oh. Even when my child is an adult, I'm never going to show her that book because it's horrific. It is. You'd have to go through with a big Sharpie marker Ugh. and scribble out so much of the graphic the artwork pictures. or the, yeah. Yeah, the pictures alone the mum holding the baby in the flood and you just think oh my god that's horrible or with the i don't know if this one's in the my book of bible stories or not the story of the when he was going to cut the baby in half oh yeah and he's holding the baby up by the leg yeah yeah what the hell or jazabelle's face with her hands she's terrifying i think she still pops into my nightmares now and yeah I can see the foot, like her nail polish, her jewelry, her red hair, everything. I can see it clear as day. And like, what was the moral of that point of that that story to be told to a child? What were we supposed to take away from? Some of these stories are not. Oh, they're awful. Dina. Oh, yeah. I can't. It's just like. What were we supposed to take away from that? Like Noah. You can't be a victim of sexual assault, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) yeah lesson learned don't get raped like what (laughs) i thought the whole idea of the definition of the word rape meant i didn't have i didn't consent to this like i what yeah no she was still blamed how is that gonna help a child it's not oh and the other one was that one that they did for not children but youngsters it was like young people yeah that's the one Mm -hmm. that was yeah i was mad (laughs) <laughs> I remember referring to that book growing up, like looking into it for answers and the answers being extremely disappointing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like looking really into it and being like, this isn't even like a compromise. Like, you know, I remember looking to like why I couldn't go to college, for example. And it just being so black and white and I was just like this isn't even like realistic this just there's no compromise there's no gray area and life is nothing but gray area like you could say like murder is never right but it's like okay but self-defense murder you know what I mean so it's like and I feel like when you read 
other young people ask, but it was always just like, it's never okay. And it, this is always right. And you're like, that's just not life. Life is full of fine print. And so I would look into it for like, why can't I go to prom? Why can't I do sports in school? Like even when I was in high school, why can't I go to college? Why can't I date outside the truth? And it was just, I never thought that the answers were satisfactory. I always thought, no, I thought so they were stupid. terrible. I remember the, there's an article, or there's a part in it about, you know, the early stages of marriage. Mm-hmm. And reading that as a 13, 14, 15 year old, and you think, now I look back and I think, why the hell was that in a book for teenagers? Why do they care about yeah. marriage and fixing arguments in, I you know, thought of that. and marriage? And you think, because the key title is Young People Ask, not yeah. Adult Ask. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and I, another one that used to confuse the hell out of me was the one that was trying to describe the difference between being in love and having a crush on someone. And it's just like, but that's, you have to go through that as a teenager. You mm-hmm. have to have crushes on people to understand what you do like and don't like. Yeah. Don't, you can't shut feelings off. That's the time about. to figure that out is not after you've already gotten married. Exactly. Now it's too late. Yeah, because divorce exactly. isn't an option, so <laughs> yeah. it's too late to I figure just, that I out. I just think that they're so off the mark is ridiculous. But the thing is, when you're in, you don't think it's ridiculous. You think it all makes complete sense. See, I've said this before. For a lot other, of people, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've said this before in other episodes. I feel very, very lucky that I never believed it. Um, even when I was younger. And so on one hand, I'm unlucky because that means it was entire misery. There was no window of time where I thought I'm on the right track. I always thought I was horribly off the mark. Um, But the good parts about never believing are those those types of things. Like I, I never thought, I never looked at people that were my age that were getting married exceptionally too young and it, it insanely too fast and thought oh my god why am I not on that same thing why am I not I always thought oh my god this is way too young yeah I don't yeah. want to do that yet I want to do that one day I don't want to do that yet and I was very very I mean even after I left the organization I I still felt that way I I felt you know I, I'm I just got married this year at 31 I even yeah, when I was I got dating, married this year as well. Yeah, yeah, because it's you're just like, oh God, no! I just knew, if anything, I think more so than like my peers in public school, I thought I am not ready because I am so far behind all these other kids because they got to do, yeah, they got to do the love, the first puppy love, and the crush, and the heartbreak, and having sex with you know this person and this person, and figuring out what they liked, you know, for themselves and then for their partners, you know, dating this person and realizing, oh, we're not a good match, and then figuring it out. They got to do all those things when they were like fourteen to nineteen, and I didn't leave the cult till I was twenty-two. So I'm like, I am so behind everyone I know. <laughs> I'm not going to get married for a really, really, really long time. I completely understand that because even like me and my now husband, we've been together for 
I don't even know, I lost count, about eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have been together for a long time. And, but you also think, if I didn't leave the cult, if I didn't have the experience I did before we started going out, mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have been ready to get married and settle down because you wouldn't have lived like you said what everyone else lives when they're much younger than we were yeah <laughs> so I think I'm grateful for the because I had a few months in between you know disassociating myself and we started dating probably about two or three months and it was literally the craziest month of my life but I'm glad that I did that because yeah. I got it all out of my system yes agreed (laughs) I realized actually it's not as good as what people say but you have to do it for yourself yeah you know you have to go and experience it and decide if that's the kind of life you want to live or not Mm -hmm. not because you know the bible says so or because it's the world of satan or whatever it's just you have to try it it's not that bad but it's not really what i want to do with my life personally yeah you know it's making that decision and even if had we decided you know i'm just going to stay single the rest of my life and i don't ever want to have a kid i think that that and i i felt like that for a minute i did think like maybe i just never want to do this um I think that my mindset of during that period of time where I thought I wanted to be single for life is very different than like the sisters and brothers in the organization that are single for life because their options are so limited. And that's depressing. Someone going coming out here and being like, I've done all the things I've wanted to do. I've traveled. I like the freedom. I don't want to have a kid. I don't want to have a dog. I don't want to have a spouse. I just want to live my life the way I want. That isn't depressing. Depressing is the single people in the organization because they don't have another option. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. They have to either stay single because they can't find anyone suitable or because they want to be a pioneer or because they want to go to Bethel. Or And you just think, come on, there's so much more to life, yeah. so much more. And that's the thing, when you grow up inside, you're just told that the world is a horrible place, day in and day out. And sure, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, there's some horrible things up, up there. Yeah. But people aren't that bad. Yeah. And there's yeah. horrible things in the organization. Like the same horrible shit that's happening mm-hmm. out here is happening in there too. Yeah, you know? Exactly. At least the people out here don't pretend to be holier than everyone else yeah they don't pretend that they've got it all figured out and like i said that's what gets me the most is the thinking that they're better than everyone else and no i can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah the arrogance i've had that conversation with my mom too many times to count where i tell her like there's a certain level of arrogance that you have to have in order to think that you have found the one true religion and that you're worshiping the one true God, like how the the confidence and the arrogance that you'd have to have, I don't have. 
I, I am content in saying that I don't know what's the right thing. I don't know if there's one God, multiple gods, no God. I, I don't know. And I think that I would rather be humble enough to say that and be pleasantly surprised if, you know, if there is an afterlife, if there is a paradise versus walking around the world being so nasty and mean to other people because I'm so confident that I'm the master of this. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. can't imagine that if there is a God, I can't imagine that that God would like that, that attitude in an imperfect person that you think yeah. that you're so smart, that you've got it all figured out. And that's exactly what I say to my mom when we do talk about religion. I say, I don't need a group of men to tell me how to be a good person. I know how to yeah. be a good person because I'm doing it now. You know, yeah. I try my best with my friends, with my community, and certainly with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't need someone to tell me, you know, that I need to go to a meeting twice a week or that I need to knock on 50 doors or spend, I'd, you know, that's just, it's pedantic. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not, how is that belief? It's not belief. It's just brainwashing. <laughs> yeah. And what if you're a person that can't, you know can't get to a meeting you know for one reason or another like does that mean that you're you don't have the option to be close to god because you're not getting to a kingdom hall like i thought god was everywhere exactly so why do you have to go to the meetings no i don't i don't get it either um and i think for a lot of people it certainly was for me the reason why i stayed so long it was more the fear you know what if what they're saying is right oh right right yeah i don't want to die i don't want to be destroyed um i don't want my family to continue living without me there but i think for me it just got to a point where i thought i don't even care anymore if Mm -hmm. that does come and if that does happen i prefer to have lived this life yeah and die than to have lived that miserable life and then go on to live that miserable life for eternity because to me that sounds worse than not living at all yeah it's so funny because every single interview everyone says that every i said it everyone i've spoken to has said that i said like at some point we all thought even if it's right i guess i'll just die I yeah. guess I'll just want to make it the army. Sounds <laughs> better than spending the rest of the time listening to Brother John go on about how, you know, better he was and all of his family. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Do you know what? No. And now, now that I don't believe in eternal life, I think life is so much more precious, isn't it? Because. Yeah. When you're in and you think, oh, it's fine. If I die in a car accident. I'll be back oh. in paradise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now, you know, like, this is I it. take care of myself better because this is my only life. And when I die, I'm dead. I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I've never thought of that. That's a good point. It's just try to, I, I certainly try to live it, you know, the best I can. And you just let go of the small things and you end up feeling a little bit more, you know, can we focus on the important things? And just yeah. leave the 
attending meetings, not attending meetings, talking to this person, reading the Bible 50,000 times Mm -hmm. and actually live a good life because that's that's what's important here, really. (laughs) I agree. I'm not going to risk my actual life that I know for a fact I'm living right now to a potential life that a book that was written god knows how many thousands of years ago is telling me i'm gonna have no i'll i'll take this one thank you let's not be greedy (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right i never thought of that i think that's the that's the conclusion i got to and that's why i decided to leave because i thought i don't care if it's true or not okay i'm not doing that anymore done yeah and I see it with my family, I see it with my mum, and it worries me. Things like, you know, she's self-employed at the moment, and she doesn't save for a pension, and she doesn't have a pension pot, anything. But why? Just to it, just in case, just in case it doesn't work. You know, if yeah. God really is a loving father, he will understand he decided to save for a pension, because you don't know, you know. I mean, yeah. they've been saying the world is ending since 1975. What if yeah. it takes another 100 years? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. okay, that's fine. Believe that it's coming, but nobody knows the date, right? So why not just live your life as you should to take care of yourself now? And then if paradise comes next week, then so be it. It doesn't yeah. hurt to save for retirement. It doesn't hurt to go to college. It doesn't hurt to have a kid. I mean relatively speaking um but (laughs) but i mean you might as well just do it and then if it comes next week then it comes next week yeah exactly i don't i did the whole university thing i never understood why it's such a big deal for them because like we said it is a pyramid scheme isn't it so you would think they would want people earning big bucks but i guess with university comes critical thinking and research and and just autonomy. new new environments so you have like you make new friends and you maybe you sign up for a philosophy class or a religious class and then your eyes are opened so they can't afford you talking to a friend at college and then them like opening your eyes yeah and and to be honest since i started my um university degree um i'm doing like a part-time online only um, degree and since starting, it's just like, wow, I really am learning how to actually think for myself because I didn't know how to do that. I used to believe things that were written down just because it was written down. And now I'm starting to learn how to be a bit more critical, a critical thinker. And that's the biggest thing I'm taking. Like, it doesn't even matter what the degree is in because that's the <laughs> biggest thing that I'm learning in yeah. university is to think for yourself. Yeah, they can't afford you to do that, though. No, no, because then you're going to realize that it's all a sham. Yeah, I'd like to see the numbers on that of, like, how many people Same. that go into higher education leave after that. And then also, I know the yearbooks that they they have every year don't say this, but I would also love to know how many people dis disassociate and dis and get disfellowshipped every year. But the yearbook doesn't say that. that. I would love to see that. I think 
honestly, I think that the whole organization is going to go bust anytime soon. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I think, well, in particular, the uh, Reddit group um, for extra Jehovah's Witnesses, it's mm-hmm. increasing massively, like something ridiculous in the last couple of years. But I see it for you know my own family some people that i used to know from congregations and they are dropping like flies at the moment so i mean it's probably just positive thinking but (laughs) but it does seem like to be you know a lot of people seem to be waking up which is great I hope so. I need some of your luck over my way. Your family is dropping out like flies and mine are holding on ever stronger. I think though for my family, my grandpa passed away last month and then my dad, which is his son, um, passed away last year. And I do think death digs the claws in deeper. So that probably, if there was any chance that like people like my, my older sister or my mom would leave that, that date has now been pushed out because now they're, well, this is the only way I'm going to see my loved one again. Yeah. To that extent, I can understand. And I think that that's the reason why my grandparents were sucked into it so much because they lost three children, um, two of them quite young. And I, I remember conversations I had with my grandmother growing up and she said, you know all she wanted in her life was to see her daughter again mm. and you kind of get it you yeah know, i understand that if someone comes to your door and says oh all those that died are going to come back to life yeah. especially now as a mum, i think oh god i couldn't imagine going through that and being yeah. told that and not believe it because i would believe it and so, what's anyone else offering you and mm-hmm. every other religion or or non-religion they're not offering you a, a sweeter deal so you're like oh well, this one's promising me something that sounds great and that's how they suck you in <laughs> yeah i've given up i think it's highly unlikely anyone in my family would ever leave i think there's too many people in there i think yeah. that when you have a mixture of some that are in some that are out um then the possibility is higher but i mean for many many years i was the only one and then a few years ago, then it was my little sister, but that's not enough. You need like a, a good momentum going and then people. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. And I think that was, that, that influenced a lot in my family because a lot of them were in, a lot of them were out and, you know, my, my grandparents weren't gonna stop talking to the ones that were never in. So I think it was easier for them to talk to the ones that decided to come in, but then decided to go out again. But I can understand that. But I also think that culturally, it probably has a lot to do with it because at least here in Europe, we take religion a little bit more, you know, liberal. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Whereas I know in the States, it can be a bit more, a bit more strict. Yeah. So I get that. Um, But I'm hoping that if the cult falls here first, Mm. It might be easier to to fall down in America and, you know. I would hope so. A bit stricter countries. I think that they, I mean, and this could be a conspiracy theory of mine, but I feel like there must be I some sort. <laughs> I, 
I feel like they must be involved with stopping news articles because there's a lot of things going on in the UK and avoidjw.org has a lot of articles about, you know, pedophilia and charges and et cetera, but they're UK articles. And we never hear about them over here. Like if I'm not perusing his site and clicking links, I'd never hear about it. And with the way I Google things and the way I like the program, like the um, pages I follow on Instagram and whatever, it should be coming up on my my pages easily because they are, you know, the algorithms of all these programs, it should be saying, oh, she likes these types of art, um, articles. Mm-hmm. I never hear about them. I never see about them. So I feel like they're stopping that share and that flow of news articles and it just doesn't get over here to the States. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that because... I remember not that long ago there was a story about them four brothers they were found to be uh, involved in paedophilia and one of them actually committed suicide oh wow and I'm pretty sure this was in the states and I only found out about it because of the reddit of the subreddit xjw oh I missed this whole thing yeah it's quite intriguing to read um like that was a major news here but i also think because nowadays a lot you know people are a lot more open to other religions and other ways of thinking a lot of the press are probably not going to be interested in that because they'll come across as you know mm. not inclusive yeah yeah you might even though it's not a religion it is a hundred percent a cult <laughs> yeah, but they're so nervous. Yeah, I think until they're seen as a cult rather than a religion, they will probably continue to be more careful about what they say. Because it's not the same with Scientology. Everyone knows it's a cult. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's a thing that is just accepted. But I think because Jehovah's Witnesses hide behind the Christianity and, you know, believing in Jesus, it's probably a lot harder to you know for them to be attacked by the media but maybe we can change that who knows but (laughs) huh i didn't think about that yeah it is a protected um class religion Mm. so yeah exactly but i i think that you know by doing things like this and and this podcast has been honestly i've been so impressed all week i've just been listening to it oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks i love it <laughs> i'm always thinking of like because we're we're all I, I think i'm into like i want to say march of next year like all the episodes um i feel like you've passed it actually but I'm always so excited because I'm like, oh my God, there's all this other stuff that I've heard and that I've learned from you guys since, you know, and I'm like, oh, that episode's not even out yet. But wait, wait till you hear it. It's so good. <laughs> I just get so excited. I, it's helped me immensely. Like I can't even, I can't even put it into words. I mean, all these years that I've been out, I feel like I've tried everything. I've tried like Facebook uh, meetup groups or um just like everything and and then of course therapy on multiple levels and there was even one time I I haven't thought about this in years but there was one time I talked to my therapist and I was like you know how there's like there's AA and if you are you have you know narcotics and are anonymous and alcohol anonymous and you know even like sex addiction you can find a group and you can go meet up and you can talk to these like-minded people that know exactly what you're talking about you know and 
That's none of that for us. There's nothing like that for Jehovah's Witnesses. And like, even if like, let's say you were addicted to pills and you went to an alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, there might be some things that you would have in common, like the addiction and like the cost that the addiction has put in your life, et cetera. But ultimately you would still really wouldn't be able to get a lot of help from them because they're ultimately talking about two different things. And that's sometimes how I felt about people that would be talking about Scientology, Mormons, whatever. It's like, there are some similarities, but ultimately we're going to hit a road, a fork in the road and you're going to go left I'm going to go right because we're not of the same thing. It's helpful, but it's not helpful. And I kept looking for something that was like Jehovah's Witness, podcast, something. And I could not stink and find it. And I was like, fine, I'll just make it myself because I need this. Selfishly, I need this commonality. No, I I think it's great. And I think it's great, especially for people who are leaving now to see there is light at the end of the tunnel. It might seem bleak when you first leave. It might seem very scary. Mm -hmm. A lot of work. But when you're out and you've been out for a few years and your life is great mm-hmm. it's so worth it and you just <laughs> wish you could go back and do it earlier earlier yeah wasted your life <laughs> but now yeah. that i'm out it's just like they just lie to me my life is great what are you talking about <laughs> yeah I definitely feel lied to. I I do. It's our our years have been stolen. But my my closing question now that you're you're on that topic is, for anyone that's still physically in that would be listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them? If they're looking to get out, I understand it can be really really hard, but it might be helpful to, you know, continue searching, see what's out there see these websites that are you know we're recommending you not them (laughs) (laughs) and just you know just take a moment to think for yourself because that's something that is quite hard when you're inside you're not taught how to think for yourself you know without the background noise of meetings or what elders are telling you just read something stop for a minute and think what does this actually mean like why are they telling me to do this you know that's something that i never did growing up i never stopped and thought why are we going to the meetings why are we knocking on doors and once i actually stopped and thought about it that's when i realized oh hang on this isn't to benefit me i'm not winning anything from this this benefit them it's to give them money you know and you know just turn to us turn to this community that we have created on reddit because it is funny for once <laughs> yeah it is very funny <laughs> and you can make some some great friendships from it and we'll support you and you know we'll give you some good advice and if not advice we'll definitely give you some good jokes 